0: Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders, one of the co founders of Entre Pastors, here with my fellow co founder and friend, Les Hughes. Les, how are you doing this week, my man? I'm good. Great to
1: see you again. And uh, I'm I'm encouraged uh, or, or impressed by that Minnesota Vikings mug you're drinking out of. So talk to us about that for a second.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I was going to ask you what you thought of the Super Bowl this past Sunday since we're just coming off of that. And as a Vikings fan, I have nothing to talk about <laughs> when in regards to the Super Bowl. So I'm just loyal. That's a sign of my loyalty and glutton for punishment whatever however you frame that but uh you- i hear you
1: man uh we we had a good time watching the the game and the all you know what with, with everything that goes around it my my personal thing is man i just enjoy the food so some wings and uh nachos and you know the the usual suspects is always good i, I get i i did i will say this since you asked the, the question maybe our listeners can, can resonate with this a little bit. I've just been real frustrated in, in recent years on the, all the preaching, ironically, you know, as a, as a preacher, I just get tired of being preached at John. just Preacher don't truth. like
0: getting preached at. I, I get it. I don't like
1: getting preached at, especially for things I don't just, I don't agree with. So, uh, and then they just have seemed like they're kind of throwing the ball game in, you know, to, to get, to make you sit there to get preached at. But honestly, I really didn't get that impression this year. Year, which was a nice refreshing thing so
0: well it, it was actually enjoyable here's the deal i i'm 100% with you now we're going to lose a bunch of podcast listeners cuz we're going all controversial talking about oh, the nfl well, and all the you know. social issues of the day but i'm i'm with you man like it, the last few years it has annoyed me where that they've used that platform to push their agendas and narratives and and it's like can we not just have an area of life that is removed from all the division and hatred and conflict and agendas like can we just enjoy it so for anybody that is like and I have a lot of friends are like I don't watch the NFL anymore I'm so turned off by the whole thing and I get it and I respect it and that's fine but here's the decision I came to and hopefully hopefully this is one of those secondary issues and not um, something that we divide churches over but uh, for me I'm like I love the game of football I absolutely do and I've I've decided I'm not going to let all that other junk take me away from something that i love i'm not going to just turn yeah. away from it because so i i try my best to shut off all the junk and then just enjoy the game cuz at its base football is an amazing game like there's a lot of life lessons you can learn from it it's a team sport Indeed. i love Indeed. the i love the rules of the game i love everything well i love most things about it so i'm like i'm, yeah, I'm and, and there's with something
1: it. to be said there's something to be said about physical stuff yeah, I just like you know, I mean, some physical stuff is good. Not necessarily, violent doesn't physical doesn't mean violent or you know malicious. It's just physical. But now we're gonna we gotta, let's, we'll probably need to do another a different episode. Now let's go, man. About, this is fun.
0: Let's keep talking. Let's go. Okay,
1: well let's talk about a, a flag football game for the Pro Bowl. Then let's talk about that.
0: Well, see, I never watched the Pro Bowl. I, to me, it's a dumb well, me game. Neither did they do With flag their, football their, this year. I didn't even look. Gone. Flag football.
1: Actually, you know what they did? They had a Pro Bowl, what, what they called the Pro Bowl games, is what they called it. And so, as a part of the Pro Bowl games, was a flag football game. Now, granted, they really didn't go all out. And they were a lot of them, were, you know, afraid of injuries, whatever. So it's not like full contact, full on. It's not like, the, it wasn't like the Super Bowl any, anyway.
0: Right. It doesn't matter. You can make that
1: case, but I'm like you, I didn't watch a single second of it. But just flag football, John, did yeah. you ever, it's almost like somebody did a Saturday night live skit or something. I mean, it's, it's very surreal. You, that would have been a joke. A yeah.
0: decade. It still is a joke, but it, it would have been
1: even a bigger
0: joke 10 years ago. Do you know, fun fact, I went to a Pro Bowl back in 1993 when it was still in Honolulu, Hawaii. I went to Hawaii for a Pro Bowl. Did you know that?
1: No, but that would have been a lot of fun.
0: It was fun, but I'll also tell you this. It was also a major disappointment because I met some of my heroes at that time and found out that not all your heroes are <laughs> as awesome as you think they are. So the, That's true. uh yeah, the, uh, the players, That's some true. of them were awesome, but many were not. Many were kind of jerks to the fans. And um, it's like, man, these are the people who made you who you are. I mean, obviously, you've had something to do with it and you're, the work you've put into the sport. But like, th- we are the people who buy the football cards and the jerseys and show up and buy tickets to the game and make you mm-hmm. famous. So you better mm-hmm. sign a few autographs and be kind to little 14-year-old yeah, kids. Yeah, you don't,
1: you don't want to live in a world where nobody knows who you are.
0: right. Right. So in that world, now man, since, in that world, since we're deep down this rabbit hole, I'll just say one fun thing about the Pro Bowl. When I was a freshman in high school, I would not say this now as a married man, but at the time, the cheerleaders were there and they were happy to sign autographs on their glossy eight by 10 photos. And so I, I, they were. I kind of abandoned my search for uh, autographs from the players very quickly and said, let's see what these cheerleaders have to offer. So <laughs> true Good story. And then, and then when Do I got married, my wife made me get rid of the, uh, the book sure. of autographed cheerleader photos that I had. She wasn't. She didn't think it was as cool as I thought it was back in she the day. Did not?
1: So can't imagine.
0: Anyway, yeah. I thought the Super Bowl was good. I I'm a, I'm not an Eagles fan. Yeah. Sorry to our friend John Stongy, who's been a guest on the podcast. We love you, John, but don't love your Eagles. So uh, I was glad to see the Chiefs pull out a win this year. So anyway,
1: yeah. well, everybody around here, where I am, or not, a, a lot of people around where I am, were pulling for Jalen Hurts. You know because the whole Alabama oh, yeah. Yeah, connection. Yeah. And he, uh, man, he he was very humble when it came to Tua coming in and replacing him and then going to Oklahoma. And so he's been blessed ever since
0: then yeah. in a lot of ways. And you know, the Eagles have a lot of like strong believers on the team. So I, I've heard good, you know, press on them. Just their God's done a work among some of their players. It sounds like, but mm-hmm. They're fans, man. John Stange is the only nice Eagles fan out there. That's it. He's the only <laughs> one. The, all the rest of their fans are just, they're mean. So, uh, they are
1: serious about it. I'm bitter sure. toward the
0: Eagles, and here's why. I years ago went to a playoff game that the Vikings, were they barely squeaked in. Typical Vikings season, squeak into the wild card slot. It was a Sunday night game. I preached in my jersey uh, that Sunday morning and preached a short sermon so I could get to the car. And me and my buddy sped off to Minneapolis for a Sunday night game in which they got just throttled by the Eagles, and we got booed out of our own stadium by mean Eagles fans. Ooh, so I don't... know class. Yeah. So it hurts. The, the pain is still there. I'm still seeing a counselor. <laughs> but anyway, see what you did last by mentioning uh, the Vikings cup I'm drinking from?
1: Hey, man, this is a real show.
0: Let's get back on track. So yeah, real show right. for real people, yeah. real life. Now that That's our fun right. is over, let's get serious. Let's get down to work. So, Les, in this week's episode, you and I are going to be sharing a conversation we had recently with a friend of ours, a friend of the show, Tim Winders, and we're we're titling this episode "Redefining Success in Ministry and Business." And Tim is an awesome dude. Uh, we met him when he interviewed me. I think you were not available that day, but I was a guest on his podcast, which is called Seek Go Create. And, uh, Tim is very much a kingdom minded individual, man. He's had a ton of success in real estate and building some businesses. He's also lost a lot in that, uh, story of seeing it all slip away. I don't know if slip away is the right word being completely taken away in the crash of yeah. 2008, 2009. And so he's, he's been to the mountain peaks. He's been to the valleys and, uh, through it all, he's seen God's faithfulness in his life and, um, really has a heart for kingdom work. He loves what we're doing with Andre pastors. So if he loves us, then I love him. So anyway, we had a good conversation. You got anything to to say or weigh in on before we cut to this interview?
1: Well, people like Tim just build things and he, he built a successful business and then experienced the results of that downturn, like so many other people, but then, but now he's built back, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what builders do. They just build. So if you're a builder And a creator, and I know many of you are. You're really going to enjoy this conversation with Tim. So get something to take notes with.
0: Yeah. One last thing on that, Les, is that 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 then really ties into the theme of this show is that Tim, by the by many in our worlds standard, would look at him and go, man, he's so successful. He's had such success. And he's here to tell us, look, it's not, it's not what you think it is. You know, like it's time to redefine that success, whether you're talking about in business or even in ministry, because in the church world, we do the same thing. We have some yeah. measures of what we call success. And and then you reach that mountaintop and you're like, this, this doesn't feel as successful as they told me it would feel. So That's really right. good stuff coming your way, guys. Without any further ado, check out this conversation with Tim Winders. Here we go. Well, Tim, man, it's a pleasure having you as a guest on the Entree Pastors podcast. Welcome to the show, my friend.
2: Great to be here, John. Les, good to see you again. I'm I'm excited to always talk to you guys. I think this is a fun conversation to
0: have. Yeah. Yep. Well, no you and I met on a podcast interview where you had me as a guest on your show, and, and we just kind of clicked, and I was like, this is a guy I want to introduce to my audience and our audience, even though I say my because I was the only guy on that interview, but uh, to our audience, um, even though you are not a pastor in a traditional sense, I think you've got some wisdom that uh, will resonate with the hearts of our audience. And so, um, welcome to the show. And why don't we start by just having you give kind of the high level introduction of your life? You kind of have a. Not a rags to riches story, kind of a riches to rags, back to riches story, and uh, it's the rags part that's going to, you know, resonate most with <laughs> with our audience probably. <laughs> uh, but anyway, tell us your story a little bit, and we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, it is is amazing how uh, sometimes as followers of Christ, we want to hear the bad stuff. Tell us the bad stuff. Yeah, get to the junk.
1: It's the dirt.
2: Make ourselves feel better and all that. First (laughs) of all, I want to say how attracted I am to y'all's title, which is Entree Pastors. And for me, that word entree, that entrepreneur, probably resonated more because I was an entrepreneur well before I had any heart uh, related to pastor or even Christ or being a follower of Christ. I was one of these guys growing up, uh, I'm a tail end of the baby boomers. In fact, the, the last year born in 63 and, uh, grew up in the seventies and eighties. And I was going to make me some money. That's just where I was going. Uh, both my parents were educators. I thought at one point I wanted to be a teacher and a coach in the athletic arena. Then I found out how much money my parents made. And I didn't realize we were poor at the time, <laughs> but uh, but we were because they teachers are sometimes like pastors. They yeah. just, People just think they need to keep them in poverty so that, uh, you know, I guess they don't get the big head or something like that. And so I decided I I lived in the Atlanta area at the time where I grew up. I decided I was going to do something to make money. So I looked at in the U.S. News and World Report and the most in-demand jobs at that time, four out of the five were engineers. I lived down the road from Georgia Tech, which was a really good engineering school I thought I was okay in math. I found out later I wasn't as good as I thought, but I thought I was pretty good in math and things like that. So I went to Georgia Tech and ended up getting a degree in engineering. I'm an industrial and systems engineer, so process systems. But uh, but I had always been doing what a lot of people that are listening in probably did. I was cutting grass, making money. And when I was at Georgia Tech, I did some work for Georgia Power. They needed someone to contract to do the work that we were doing, because they were going to, uh, you know, push it away. And I said, you know what, I'll start a company and do it. So I started a business when I was 20 years old at Georgia Tech. And uh, I joke with people at times, I had more cash, I think, in my pocket at that time, because of low overhead and all. But uh, while I was at Georgia Tech, I started my first business in the mid 80s, while I was a, a student at Georgia Tech. And fast forward. I've always started things, worked in businesses. I did work corporate for a number of years. I worked Bell South when I came out of Georgia tech and I knew right away, I mean, like within the first few hours of stepping in the doors at a large corporation that this was not for me. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I really, I won't go into that story, but you know, you just, sometimes you just know. And I just knew now I was not a believer and follower of Christ at the time I'd gotten married and i had probably fooled my wife a little bit into thinking mm. that i was a little more spiritual than i actually was and uh a few years later she's got it in a prayer journal where she literally prayed me into god's kingdom wow now i think the thing <clears throat> that's important at this stage that that we really need to understand is that i was not saved in a church setting mm. I was, remember, I said, I'm I'm going to make me some money. I was working at Bell South. Somebody came along and speared me in a mall just outside of the Atlanta area and said, Hey, you ever, you ever keep your eyes open for ways of making money outside of what you do. And my comment back is that's the stupidest question I've ever heard, <laughs> because if anyone ever answered, no, I don't understand that. I guess people may hmm. But uh, but guys, I I was kind of drawn into a network marketing business. Most people know the Amway Corporation. It's one of the biggest, biggest out there, and people have different opinions on that. But I'll tell you that that was a very significant time in my life because I went to a big conference, big convention with 20,000 people there. And on a Sunday morning, they said, if you want a good seat, come sit down here for this non-denominational service. I was thinking I'd wait around till afterwards, you know, and I'd get through all that stuff. And that's where I met Jesus Christ. I went down front with about 5,000 other people. And so my paradigm is a little different because I became a follower of Christ in a business setting. Hmm. And, and I think that's important as we move forward, because I think there's this thought from probably a lot of people that listen in here. A lot of people that listen to my podcast, over go create that the place that people come, you know, gain their salvation is in a church setting. And I'm not in any way being critical of the church setting, but I'm just saying there's a lot that goes on outside of that. Yes. And there's a lot of opportunity to minister. And it was significant. If that had not been set up, I'm not sure where I would be today because I was not the guy, I'm not the personality that in in general likes hanging out in church a lot. And again, I'm trying not to be critical. We had this conversation on my podcast, right. John. Right, uh, right. But you know that if, if it's just those four walls that we have, then I think we're limiting ourselves to what the gospel really is. And that is spreading it far and wide. And we got a great example of it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that Jesus did not hang out in the church that much. Right. So anyway, but that, that's kind of the story now to, to fast forward. A lot of things went up and down and businesses started. Some did well, some didn't well. But in, in the early 2000s, we started a real estate company started buying a bunch of properties. And by the time 2008 hit, we had over a hundred doors, valued at over 15 million, a nationwide coaching business, a nationwide lead generation. Those two businesses would have been valued at seven figures plus. 2008 hit, we thought we were prepared. We thought we were in good shape. I thought the Lord was blessing all that I was doing. 2013, we were homeless, bankrupt, moved out of our 6,000 square foot home. Most things we own were in a Honda van and my wife and I were on the road, so to wow. speak. So, how's that for giving you a little bit overview?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I mean, not the the painful part of that's not awesome, but it's well done in describing that. So, how does someone come back from that? I know we there's a lot in that story we could drill down into, but keep the story going. How does someone build back from losing everything basically?
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, I I think to say losing everything kind of leads into the topic that I really like to discuss is how do we define success? Mm -hmm. You know, I probably, I was a follower of Christ. I was doing all the things spiritually, you know, and I was probably like most of us in the uh, Americanized Christian world, thinking that my life was blessed because we were doing well. Mm-hmm. you know we don't have to get into that theology but y'all know what i mean and and i think it permeates a lot of areas of our church settings oh. and things like that so i was always of the mindset as we saw things happening that oh god's going to take care of me it's going to be okay everything's going to be fine and truthfully it was <laughs> but guys I, this is the this is the big moment that we all need to hear it was fine, but it wasn't fine by my definition. It was fine by God's definition. Mm. My definition would have been, we keep the 6,000 square foot house. We are restored financially. Uh, you know, we, we, we are all okay. All of the investors and all of those people are taken care of. We still have tremendous amounts of resources in real estate. That would have been okay by my definition. God's definition seems to be that he needed to get Tim's attention so that I would submit my entire life to him instead of just segments of it. And, and so that journey has been painful. Yes. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I'm very thankful that we've gone through it because it's really totally flipped my paradigm around of what it means to define what success looks like in a world. It's not a title it's not a bank account amount. It's not a car. It's not, you know, we're in a motor coach right now. I'm in the passenger seat of our motor coach. It's not any of those things. It's really the condition of our heart and that's really
1: where success comes from. Tim, that's really good on many different levels. One of the, I don't even know who I heard say this at some point, I'm sure it was a mentor of mine, but he said, you know, when you think that things are falling apart, Actually, they're really falling into place just as God intended. But I want to know if you can just think back there for a minute. At what point did you start to understand that? Because the problem is you can't always see it in the moment. You know, it's in retrospect that you do. When did it start to occur to you? Hey, man, there's something else that's going on here. Uh, let's see. What time is it now?
2: About three minutes. <laughs> <and Right. nine.
1: laughs> yeah. I, I don't
2: know. That's a great question, Last. I, hmm. I think... I think one thing that has been critical for me is understanding that what we're doing here is not a destination. It's about the journey. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's always these layers and levels. Then, you know, at some point, I would think that things could not get any worse. And, and I'll, I'll just go and say one of the pivotal moments and, and this, some people are going to be upset by this and some people are going to understand it. And I believe that someone needs to hear it. The biggest challenge for me, for the longest, we were juggling bills, paying from, you know, I'll say that Robin from Peter to pay Paul, we had massive credit lines. And so we thought things were going to get better. So we would take one credit line and pay off something else. And and that's not a good formula Mm. when, when things are going on, like we're going on in 09, 10, things like that. And I remember when I got to the point where I'd gone to family, I'd gone to others and said, hey, can we get money? And I finally realized, you know what, I need to stop this because not only am I creating hardship for us, I'm creating hardship for others around me. And I remember when I said to myself, I really do think things are going to get really bad when I miss this payment. And I don't even remember the exact payment, but there were payments that were being juggled and we were trying to stay on time and keep credit ratings. And, you know, all these things that we all hold so sacred in the world we're in when we're in the business world and things like that. And I mean, I mean, I'm in, I'm in no way belittling this. I'm just giving you a pivot point less is what I'm doing here. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself and I told my wife, I said, listen, we're, we're at the end. I said, cause we can't make these payments on Friday or whatever day it was. And I remember missing the payments and I remember Monday rolling along and I remember waking up and spending a lot of quiet time with the Lord and I remember thinking the world didn't end
0: mm.
2: and and I'm and I'm again, I'm not making this sound like a good situation but I'm with you it kept steam rolling and and so that was a pivot point. I think that was a time less where I took one foot, out of Babylon and I put it in the kingdom of God. There you go. Now I still had a foot in Babylon. Yeah. And I think we all struggle with that way. How, how do we balance between that Babylonian world system and the kingdom of God? And for me, I was probably looking to the kingdom of God before that. And, you know, principles and things like that. And I was a follower, so to speak but I had both feet in Babylon and I took one foot out and said, you know what? I I need to stop operating. And I don't think you have to get to that point to do that, by the way. I'm hopeful that people listening in go, you know what? I need to do it before it gets to that point. But, uh, but a few years later, I think when we probably, became homeless you know we use that word sometimes we use the word nomad it seems to sound more spiritual we like <laughs> to pretend like we're abraham and sarah we aren't going to have children at, at at old ages i i don't think i hope that's not the miracle that's going to occur <laughs> but uh but but i i that to me seems like the next pivot point hmm. and we were both in new zealand because that we started traveling that's a odd story if you want to go into it we started traveling living in houses we didn't build Staying in places that were million-dollar homes, we didn't pay for, we didn't pay rent or any of that kind of stuff. It's a very interesting thing, and we were in a home in the southern island of New Zealand, and we were studying the word because we were de- we were digging into the word. That's all we knew to do, and we really felt this release from the life that we had been living, and felt like we kind of got this message less that was something like, "Don't have any regrets." It's not great what you've been through. And also, don't feel as if it's been wasted because we're going to use all that you've done up to this point for my kingdom as we move forward. That's good. And I think that was fairly significant. That would have been probably like almost 10 years ago, like 10, 2014 is when we were in New Zealand. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it gives you a little bit of a bigger scope of kind
1: of the journey that we were on. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it does, because it sounds to me as if the clouds, it wasn't like you woke up one day and there it was, but slowly the clouds started to part where you could see a little more clearly. So I think that's probably the way it is, but the way it should be most of the time.
2: Yeah, and and one of the things, and I've shared this before, but You know, our identity is so important. You know, people that are pastors, they probably start wrapping themselves in the identity of what we perceive. I just did air quotes for those that might be listening and not watching what we perceive as that role of pastor or business person or successful businessman or father, you know, whatever the, whatever the thing we want to describe, we've got these perceptions of it. And I, I think the thing that kind of got busted up for me was the identity that i attached myself to which was successful businessman was so blown up i mean listen when you go through bankruptcy when you're homeless when you know you have to go to investors and say we can't pay you
0: mm.
2: it 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 starts you know shame starts creeping in uh guilt uh, you know, am I not taking care of my family the way I need to? You know, there's scriptures for that. You know, we we hear those scriptures. I'm worse than an infidel, you know, and things like that. But But, you know, you really have to kind of open yourself up and say, I still am a child of God. He loves me. I've got his grace and mercy every day as I wake up. Mm-hmm. And he still wants the best for me. And then also, you know, we've got all the scriptural references of, literally just about everybody in scripture that have gone through something similar or worse. And so I, I just really think it's part of our journey and I don't again, wish it on anyone, but I'm so thankful that we've been through it because it really has created who I am today.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you this question of, you know, it, like your story, you, you really pursued the the world system, Babylon, to use that metaphor. And found some level of success and now I'll use the air quotes for those that can't see. You you built up some significant wealth. You lost a significant amount of that wealth in this crash in, you know, the late two thousands and so today you've built back i don't know if you've exceeded where you were or if but it's you're not in that place of being you're you're now a nomad by choice not because uh because of circumstance but you've you've climbed up that mountain a little bit but what's the difference and you've already been speaking to that a little like i wanted to have you unpack that so what's different about tim's life now as someone who has experienced wealth of this world system versus the Tim that was pursuing it out of a different heart and a different place back then. So maybe just say a little bit more about that. And then I want to shift gears to have you say something to our pastors.
2: Sure. That's a great question, John, because what it really addresses is something that I think almost all of us have. I think we've got it to a different, um, different levels. And that's an addiction that I've termed an addiction to more. Mm. And it's very cultural, it's very first world, it's very part of all that we are. And so what I recognized was that I wasn't really addicted to money or alcohol or substance or, you know, porn or any of the kind of things that usually creep in for a lot of, uh, especially men. And I know you probably have people that aren't men that are that are on this, but let's just talk to men for a second. I had something that we, that feeds, that is fed from all of those things, but my addiction was more. And so if I had X amount of money, I needed two X, I needed three X. And, and what I did was, is I made the big mistake of increase my lifestyle to, to match that typically. Mm-hmm. And listen, people do that at all levels. Yep. I mean, there could be someone that's listening in that you know, makes next to nothing with a salary, but yet they're spending more than they make and, you know, going out and putting things on credit. Or there could be people that have seven, eight figures that are, are, are not doing that. It really has nothing to do with income. It's just really looking to satisfy things based on materialism and things like that. And uh, for, for me, it's really, I, I take that scripture, Matthew six thirty three very literally in the order that it's in, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you, which those things are above those verses, which represent food, clothing, and shelter. Mm-hmm. I had it flipped around quite a bit. And most of us, many of us go through that and do so. I was addicted to more. So, So the thing that's changed for us now, John, the answer to the question is, I'll just say it this way, trying to be somewhat low-key about it. I have access to more financial resources right now than I ever had. But yet I spend so little money Mm. (laughs) and it's, I think those are related by the way. Uh, We, we live right now in a 39 foot motor coach. I'm coming to you from the passenger seat, which is my office where I broadcast our podcast and do my work and things like that. We are currently parked in Southern Utah, not far from Zion National Park. We travel. We do not have a permanent home anywhere. We've got a storage facility with a couple things in it, and we do not have a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that there are many months that my biggest expense is our cell phone bill. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is to say that we have access to so many resources now because i'm hopeful that i have gotten rid of that addiction to what i'll call more and and more could come in a lot of ways i mean it it could be more power more you know i need more people in my seats i need a bigger building with whatever i'm doing church business or whatever and every every time that opportunity comes to me I attempt to push it back because I know that I can succumb to more. Mm -hmm. And so the real, the real answer to the question is we got to find out what our, um, not just what our superpower is, because that was part of my superpower was I could always expand, grow things like that, but that superpower became my kryptonite. Mm. And I think many times that's what we have, what our superpower can become our kryptonite. And if we allow that, to control us, then it's very difficult for us to do the things we need to hear God's voice. Do a lot of things like that. Yeah. Did I answer that question? Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like a off.
0: <laughs> no, it's very well said. And and so here's the next question I want to throw at you. You are you do a lot of coaching with high level executives, and um, and I think it's such a great opportunity for a pastor. I would hope that any pastor, if they got a chance to meet someone like you in uh, in real life, would see like, man, this is someone I just want to pick their brain for a little bit. Pastors on a general uh, day-to-day basis don't talk to people like you. You know, it's it's just the reality of the work that we do. We're not normally sitting here talking to you know high-level executive coaches that are in that space. So, I want you with that lens on to to with that filter to speak to our audience a little bit. I'm going to go back to your metaphor where you're talking comparing the kingdom of God versus. You know, the kingdom of this world, the Babylonian system. I, I get that. I'm tracking mm-hmm. with that metaphor. So hopefully this makes sense what I'm about to say. Many of our audience, many pastors, are solidly in the kingdom of God. I mean, they they've bought into that mm-hmm. seek ye first, the kingdom of God, and they've gone all in on that. There's a statement, I don't know if you've ever heard this, that someone is so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good uh, to where it's like uh, you can almost and I don't want this to sound sacrilegious so lord please check my words I'm not trying to say something I'm not saying here okay but it's like you can be almost so focused on the spiritual side of things and building God's kingdom that my family's suffering like we're we're struggling to to make basic needs and make our ends meet and we've bought into this idea that says because what I'm doing is for the lord and it's the, the benefits are eternal they're out of this world None of that other stuff matters, and I've come to see the the bad fruit of that where it's like I don't think God asked us to sign up for that. I don't think Jesus said, serve me and be destitute at the same time. I mean, maybe he's given that to some individuals, like that whole vow of poverty, but I, I just don't accept that by and large, and I'm also not a prosperity gospel guy either. I think there's a healthy middle ground. So I guess what would you say with your coaching hat on to a pastor that – is making $27,000 a year in an annual salary and um, barely making ends meet for, you know, their family, and they need a little bit of the Babylonian system, if you will, because they still live in Babylon, so they need to they need to buy groceries in Babylon. So what would you say to that pastor to encourage them that it's okay to have some wealth and to figure out some of Babylon's system to to get what you need? So hopefully that makes sense. That's a really long-loaded question
2: yeah it 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 is it is, and am I've got so many different things floating around in my head. i I think this is what I have found in in the work that I do because I actually work with some people in the ministry world. We actually are family. We have a family foundation that's a nonprofit and and I do work with what I do with some uh, I'll, I'll call them ministries and they're not typically pastors. and uh, and then I also work with some high level business people in multi multi-million dollar companies. This is kind of a weird dichotomy. I have found that it is, and, and this is, this is my, it's going to, it may not sound like encouragement to begin with, but let me, let me just finish it up. You no, bet. No, I won't interrupt. I is, promise. This is the challenge that I see. We really to, to operate to be citizens of God's kingdom, but yet we're living in this foreign world, which is Babylon. We'll call it that way for people so they can understand. We really do need to have a few components. We need to have an understanding of that Babylonian system, what makes it work, what makes it tick. And then we also need to understand the kingdom of God. I've found that a lot of people that are in ministry and all that don't really have a grasp of the kingdom of God mm. as much as they should. I think they they say they do, but they don't understand that the components of it are love. I mean, that's really the currency in the kingdom of God is love. And uh, and then some other components that are very important. So I go to a business executive. And they understand the Babylonian system. I mean, they got it down. They understand money. They don't, money's not a weird thing for them. It's just a tool and they make it work. Here's what I found, guys. It is so much easier, typically, I hate to generalize, but I'm going to generalize here to insert some love, compassion, understanding into this business person and, and allow them to be successful at levels beyond anything they could imagine because they've got the components of money under control Hmm. than to go to someone who's in a ministry mindset. They've got issues with this whole thing. That's money. They don't know it. It rules them more than they think it does. Wow. And it's so much harder to implement some business practices to help them understand some things about marketing. And you know what? It's okay to talk about what you do with other people and share it and things like that. It's it's so much more difficult. So I would think the first thing, this is where the encouragement comes in. That sounded discouraging there. The first thing is to really open yourself up with a coach, with a mastermind like you've got, like you guys have or something and really, really put a microscope on what are your thoughts about money? Because if you think money is evil and it's the root of evil, which is an incorrect (laughs) scripture, we know that and you know that if you're listening in, but yet your default is always, well, I have to be careful about that or I need to be cautious about that. See, I'm on the flip side I I have to be careful not to talk about it too much. I have to be careful not to go too far down the path of money, money, money. And so I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. But I, I really do think that someone listening in, if they're making that $27,000 a year and they, they think they are doing what they need to do, but yet it creates so much stress in their home. You know, their their kids are, are not equipped to go to school in the proper clothing or anything like that. They're, they're working in a church setting where they're sort of being told, I've got a thumb right here that I'm pushing down, that because you're the pastor in ministry, you don't really need to look like you're doing very well. I would say you really need to dig down and bust out, bust up those, mm. I'll call them lies or whatever, because I do not believe that. I do think there are times in our lives where we might go through lean seasons. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with that, but I don't think that, that it should define who we are and what we're all about. So I would say the number one thing is, let's try to decide what our mindset is about money and, and decide what's holding us back. Because this is what I found, John and Les, and, and I know y'all have seen this in y'all's situations too, is that we could get somebody all the teaching training, the business ideas. I mean, literally we could pull somebody on this call right now. I know you guys can do this. I would love to jump in with it cuz it's fun. I love doing it. And we could come up with some great business ideas for someone. I mean, and they, it could be a money maker where they can make an extra 10,000, 20,000, 25, you know, 30, 50k whatever. But if they still have issues with money, they're going to start having some Challenges down the road with either some sabotage or some different things like that, that. We've got to get the money tapes going in their head worked out. I'm not saying we got to get them perfect, but we've got to get that worked out first.
0: Man, that is so good. That is so good. So let me ask you this, Tim you you have a, a an outlook on church, and I and again I'm, I don't don't hold back on this. So like you you don't necessarily see the model of how we traditionally think about church as being. You know where it's at, and I'm not too far off from where you are on that. I think that what Jesus gave us is maybe a little different than what we've created it to be, and I'll just let that sit wherever it is with people. But what does that look like for you? Like if you could paint the picture however you want it to, and marry these two worlds of ministry and marketplace and and the church. I mean, you already alluded to it earlier when you talked about you know it turns out there's a lot of ministry that happens outside of the church, but paint that picture for us and people don't have to like it or agree but what does that look like for you man like what is the kingdom of god the church on the move in in our world today especially in terms of marketplace paint that picture for me
2: sure and uh permission to speak candidly yeah
0: speak freely sir i I can edit anything out we can beep stuff out if we need to so
2: good yes all of a sudden yeah tim's talking it's like beep beep beep, beep beep now um I, I, I love God's people. I have such a heart for the kingdom of God. I studied it for three years during the season that I've been in. I mean, I went through every scripture that, that even referenced the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, and it is so, I think, baked into me. And what grieves me is when I look out over the horizon and the landscape, I, I don't see the structures, the buildings that have a sign up front. And I, I had to be careful because I, I know this is stepping on people and I, and people have thrown their lives into this system. I'm concerned and, and I'm a systems engineer. So let me go ahead and say that right here. I'm concerned that we've created systems that are not leading us to success and and they box us in and we've put four walls around the church and we've put four walls around it and we've created an environment where it, it adds comfort to the people that show up. But a lot of people don't want to show up because of the way we talk about people and the way we repel people. And I just, I just think that somehow we need to start busting those walls down. Now also say I've been in the leadership world for 30 plus years. I want to say this directly to the pastors. It is is my opinion that we have put most pastors in no-win situations Mm. with the structures we've created because we have such high expectations. We put them on pedestals, and then we expect them to live absolutely pure lives, don't pay them much. All of these things kind of feed into it. I've gotten to where I'm really uncomfortable with the term. And and this is another one that you might have to bleep out with the term full-time ministry, because what full-time ministry, it it says something that there should be financial (laughs) support to do it totally full-time. And then it also says that that person is somehow called air quotes again to some higher thing closer to god closer to here and anyway I've we visited a lot of churches and all that john and so the thing that i think we need to start doing let me kind of break it down so that i don't sound like doom and gloom here i just think we need to start asking questions and i and i encourage even a, a local pastor listening right now to say you know what are we doing everything that, that that ecclesia, that that first century church was doing in communities that we read about in the Gospels? What can we do to go beyond the walls that we have? Here's what I also believe. When they start thinking that way, they start thinking like entrepreneurs. There you go. And. And when they start thinking like entrepreneurs, I think it opens up the door for financial resources that are right now feeling very boxed in and tight. And they're looking at 8%, 10% of the people that come in every Sunday morning and thinking that they are the ones that are the financial source for everything that they're doing. That's a broken model. And don't get me started on the missionary model because that's a whole nother topic.
0: (laughs) Well, see, none of this is earth-shattering to me or it's not rocking my world. It might be rocking the face of someone that just tuned in for the first time and, and isn't really aware of what we're, you know, kind of what we talk about here. But here's where I see, and you, bro- you already brought up the entrepreneur, like this is opportunity. I see opportunity because I hope we can all agree as we look out at the landscape of this thing that we have called the church and what we've built to go... Not that God hasn't used it and not that our hearts haven't been in the right place, but it's not necessarily winning the culture. It's not necessarily what we see pictured in the early New Testament church. And um, so what does that make possible? What, what What if there's freedom to break out of some of those systems that are not really serving us very well anymore and redefine what that looks like? And what if there's a lot more freedom and permission to go out into the marketplace and do church. And I don't even know entirely what that means. I don't have anything behind that when I say that other than the, the opportunity to look at it with through the eyes of an entrepreneur and go, where is there a need? And how can I step into that? And how can we totally, you know, redefine what, what we've been doing that isn't really working that well. So again, I'm not, I, there's no agenda when I say that. I'm not here to propose, mm-hmm. let's all, and here's the problem. The minute someone does that and has any degree of success, we're all going to go, hey, let's do exactly what that guy just did because it's working right. well for him instead of saying, well, what, what's God's will for mm-hmm. my ministry and my life and my community? So,
1: and, and, and to that person, John, that might just be listening to this for the first time, I would just say, you know, do, do uh yourself the the uh, the justice of going back and and listening to a few more of these episodes or more, forget us, uh, other, other people that are having this conversation. And let's let, if we're going to, we can have a conviction about a model or a system. I hope you do believe whatever in whatever model or system you're in or else get in one that you believe in, but there's a difference in, in believing in what you're involved in for such a time as this and for you and for your background and framework and culture and trying to make that, prescriptive for every single person everywhere. So we don't have to go any further really in this discussion than just to say, if, if our model in North America or really in the United States, which is the predominant model, Tim, of what you're referring to, then that would mean we're throwing out people in China, Africa, uh, South America. I mean, you know, pick your model. Other parts in the world don't don't have this model again. Predominantly, the way that we've seen it in the last hundred years or so, and you, so not not even for our country, is it going to be as it is? I mean, it's in flux and it's in changing. It's ch- changing as well, so we don't have to say um, that it's for everybody necessarily. But let's not let's not go to the other extreme and say that any particular model is for anybody or precludes someone.
0: Yeah, I think and Tim I'll let you respond to all of this, but I think for me what you said a minute ago Tim is so good of the bringing up that that term full-time Christian service or like that has I think has created some unintended consequences and it does imply that anybody that's not in that is in some, you know, kind of se- secular lesser than uh role and it fails to recognize the kingdom of God that touches every square inch of this universe and that there's nowhere that he has not planted his flag and said that this belongs to me you know and so so it's not just reserved for the few of us who are leading inside the four walls of the church it it's meant for everywhere and i think when we as the leaders in this movement recognize that it it shows us that look full-time christian service can look like being an entrepreneur in the marketplace just as much as it is being in pastoral ministry. So hopefully there's an unlock there for some in our audience going, oh, okay, I have freedom. My calling goes beyond, you know, what has been defined for me as full-time ministry. So anyway, I'll, I'll give you the last word on that, and then I want to talk about your podcast for a minute.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think the thing that's cool, and I I, I don't think any of us here are in disagreement. We're kind of poking at something that we know there's things there, but but, you know, we could we could all do better. I, I, one of the things that I observe, and I'll go back to this whole concept of leadership, is, is when we structure things where there is a head, and I believe that organizations need to have a head. I, I don't disagree with that. But then when all of a sudden, I'll say it this way, when you hand someone a microphone, the masses have a tendency to think that that person's really, really important, <laughs> And, and so one of the things I really observe, and, and this goes back to really even a pastor being able to be an entrepreneur and do something else, most of them I would say there's two things, maybe more, y'all, could, y'all, could, y'all know this better than I do. They don't have the time to do anything else. And they don't have any resources or or maybe even they have some restrictions that keep them from doing it. And, and I would say, I mean, let's just say we've got a pastor with a fairly small church and a small budget and, you know, a few folks coming in and you're doing some ministry, you're doing some good things, you're getting the salvations and things like that. But you don't really feel like you have the time. I have just observed in organizations like that, they begin attracting people that are consumers they come in for certain reasons and they get some things that they need once or twice a week. And then they, they leave and they expect most things to be taken care of by air quotes. Again, the full-time people. Mm. I, I think if I were to press anything in, in organizations right now, it's start looking at, and, and I don't even like the discussion of volunteer versus paid and things like that. Start looking at how you can raise up leaders to do things so that you're not doing all of it.
0: Mm, that is,
2: I know that sounds like leadership or management 101, but uh, unfortunately I mentioned the microphone earlier. When someone stands up in front with a microphone, they're the man of God. They're also the head pastor. They're the, you know, they're all of these things. I, I think there's just this natural tendency to say, they could handle it all. They could do all the hospital visits. They could go do all the right. funerals. They could do it all, and I, I think we all know there are a lot of people that can be raised up to do that kind of stuff. I think I think churches, organizations, pastors that are that are going to thrive are the ones that are able to really make it less about them and more about him. Yeah, and that's capital H. And uh, I, I like to say a lot of times, my my saying is less of Tim more of him. <laughs> that I just, whatever I can do to lessen myself, then it'll be better.
0: I like how that rhymed. It doesn't work so well with my name. So, but that, I'm glad that works for Tim. <laughs> less
2: no. of less. No, it doesn't work with less. No, either. it doesn't. It <laughs> just... no, less, less, less.
0: <laughs> we say that a lot though, with our community, that it's one of the things we like about having pastors in the marketplace. It kind of forces that issue of them saying, I'm already overworked in ministry. And it's like, yeah, and that's the point. You never were intended to be the one doing this all, this is going to kind of force some of those really healthy conversations about delegating and equipping the saints to do the works of ministry, which is kind of how it was supposed to operate all along. So um, I love that. Tim, tell us real quick about your podcast, and uh, I'd love to turn some, some of our listeners on to you as well if uh, they're finding value here. So tell us about that and where they can find out more about you.
2: Sure. Yeah, we're fast approaching our 200th episode. We've been around for over three nice. years. The title is Seek, go create those three words. Anyone that has any spiritual background could probably guess where some of those words came from. Seek, go create. And uh, we really are all about this topic of redefining success. We push the envelope a lot. And I was attracted to the entree pastor because I'm going, that's different. And we like to do those in the areas of leadership, business, and ministry. We kind of mash those together, do some interviews. Some of it's just me on mic. But uh that's really what we're all about over I'd love for people to jump over there and listen in because I think it's a great compliment to uh to what you guys are doing here. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it'd be a good uh, I think it would stretch, stretch a lot of people yep. if they came over and joined some of the things we're doing.
0: For sure. We'll link to that so in, in the show notes of this. We'll make sure our people know where to find you. But uh what are you excited about right now, Tim? You you asked me what I'm creating. I think you gave me the opportunity to speak to either one any one of those seat go create, but I'm gonna I'm going to zero in on the creation. Well, actually you can go any direction you want, but what are you excited about? What are you seeking? Where are you going? What are you creating right now? I'm going to, I'm going to make you play your own game on my podcast. So <laughs> there you go.
2: You know, the, uh, the cool thing about that, John, I was actually just praying and journaling about that this morning. Cause my wife and I are right now a little bit, I don't want to say we're locked in because we don't know where we're going to be traveling the rest of this year. Um, because we've got there's some health challenges with her mother. We're thinking we might have to fly into Atlanta. And we also have grandkids, which anyone with grandchildren, we don't want to be too far from them. But I was I was just talking to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, where would you want us to go? You know, we're mobile, we're nomads. And and I felt as if the Lord spoke back to me in my journal and said, Go wherever you want to. <laughs> I'll bless whatever you do. you know, it's not a location, it's not anything like that. So so we are um, right now. It's a little bit chilly where I'm at. I'm excited about getting somewhere warmer. We head south. Uh, we head south from here, but uh, but we're actually in a a real creation mode right now, and this is going to be a little bit of an interesting tip to it. My, my wife and I have recently really tapped into some of the things that are going on with the AI uh, support tools that are out there, mm-hmm. and it has it has multiplied exponentially. Our ability to create and write. And we both are, we both write books. She leads big Bible study that reads through the Bible. And I finished a novel last year and we're both just in heavy duty creation mode. And we're excited about how quickly and rapidly we could create because of some of these tools that are with, you know, AI chat, GPT and yeah. things like that. It's not doing all of it, but I could tell you it is a great tool. And I'm looking at it as having a a a full-time writing assistant and thought partner all the time with me. So I'm I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, Tim, our conversations always go way too fast, man. I love talking with you. I love just getting down into the weeds on some of these things. And I'm confident that uh, our conversation today is going to add value to our listeners. So thank you so much for your generous time and coming on the show and sharing with us, man. I'm grateful.
2: Sure. Les, John, I love what you guys are doing and I just give honor to it, so keep it up. Glad to have you as friends, and thanks for the invite.
0: Well, there you go. Good stuff from Tim Winders. Less one of the things I want to highlight in the conversation there that we had with Tim is what he shared is his probably number one piece of advice for our listeners, and that is to get your mindset right around money. Certainly, this is not the first time that's come up on our show. This is a very common theme that we deal with with pastors and ministry-minded people who are coming to us, they have a heart to serve the Lord, they have a heart to serve others, and a lot of times their relationship to money is very off. And uh, we've got some things that we do to help pastors and, and those folks get you know, a healthier mindset around money. Uh, we've got a resource we'd like to share. Tell us a little bit about that, Les, before we sign off.
1: Well, it's a great segue into this resource. And like everything else, all the other good stuff, start off at entrepastors.com. And then if you'll do forward slash money mindset, you can get that resource and give you something tangible that can help you in this area.
0: Yeah, we've got a downloadable kind of a worksheet there and also a video uh, link to some teaching that lesson I did a while back. And so really good conversation starter and uh, something to get you going in that area to really look into what what are my beliefs around money. So go check that out. Guys, we are so grateful to have each and every one of you that are listeners to the show. Thank you for tuning in every week and being a part of this. If there's anything that Les and I can do to serve you on your Entree Pastor journey, we're here to do exactly that. If you want to email us, just reach out to us, either john, J-O-N, or Les, L-E-S, at EntreePastors.com, and you can get a hold of either of us that way. And uh, man, if you would be so kind as to share this content with people in your world, we would be grateful for that. That's how this show keeps growing. More people are tuning in and uh, the, the community continues to grow. One last invite too, I would encourage you to join us on Facebook. If you've not jumped into the Facebook group there, just go to Facebook and search for Entree Pastors Connect and come on into that community where we have a lot of conversation going, resources being offered up there. We'd love to add you to the community as well. So Les, you got anything else before we sign off this week, my friend? Man, you said it well. Hope you have a
1: great week and uh, everybody else out there, too. Thank you for listening.
0: You bet. God bless everyone. Talk to you next week.